Thank you, choir and Dan. It's always good to have you back home. Last week, we focused on spiritual gifts. What is a spiritual gift? W. E. Vines defines a gift as a gift involving grace on the part of God as the donor. Now, we hear a lot about spiritual gifts, but a spiritual gift simply is the gift that God has given with which we serve. It is a supernatural ability that God gives to us with which we serve the congregation. Now, the Bible tells us that whatever gift or gifts you have have been given to you, selected for you by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the spiritual gift that you have or gifts that you have have been selected for you by the Holy Spirit. Now the scripture says each one, which means that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. So then if you are a believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, The scripture says then that you have a spiritual gift that has been selected by the Holy Spirit with which you serve. But how do they work within the body? How do they work within the church? That's what I want us to look at today. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse number 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members... And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. We begin by understanding our relationship to each other. If we're going to understand how the gifts function within the church, then we have to understand, first of all, our relationship to each other. And we are dependent in function. Now, you'll notice there in verse number 12, he says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, Paul is teaching us the lesson here by using the physical body. And one thing we understand from the physical body is that it is comprised of many parts and all those parts are necessary. They are dependent on each other. I read a story not long ago about a boy whose arm had been severed. It was reattached. Now then, as a result of it being reattached to the body, then it could still have life. Had it not been reattached to the body, then there would have been no life. So the parts of the body then are dependent on the body. 
For instance, the eyes see for the entire body. The ears hear for the entire body. The feet walk for the entire body. But the parts of the body are dependent on each other. And Paul is saying that is also true within the spiritual body. That we are dependent. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, we are dependent on Christ. The Bible says that he is the vine, we are the branches. Now as branches, if we are not attached to the vine, then there is no life. Thus we are dependent upon the vine. If we are not attached to the vine, we're not branches, living branches, we're just sticks. And so the Bible teaches us that we are dependent upon Christ. But not only are we dependent upon Christ, we are also dependent on each other. Now Paul uses several examples to illustrate this truth. For instance, he refers to the church as being a family. And one thing we understand is that the family members are dependent on each other. They are connected to each other. I remember when I was a boy that my mother would sometimes say to me, don't forget who you are. When I'd go somewhere, don't forget who you are. In other words, she was saying that what you do affects the rest of the family. And so we are dependent on each other. Now, a couple of months ago, lightning hit my house. And uh, it knocked out everything, knocked out TVs, computer, all this stuff. But one of the things that happened is that when lightning hit, it knocked a hole in one of the water lines in my house. And I had just gotten home, been there about five minutes. Linda was not at home. And uh, I go outside to see if there's a hole in the roof or something, and there wasn't. I go back in, and I hear a noise coming from my study. When I went into my study, water is coming out of the wall. I mean, it's just coming out of the wall everywhere. And so at first, I tried to wipe it up. I grab a towel. I'm trying to wipe it up. And then after a while, I realize I'm like the little Dutch boy trying to stick a finger in the dike. Because it's just gushing out of the wall. So I call a plumber and I'm getting towels. I get every towel in the house. And I'm trying to wipe up the water because it's just getting higher and higher. And then finally I realize that I'm not going to be able to wipe up all the water. And so then I'm using the towels just to dam it up to keep it from going in other rooms. By then the plumber had gotten there. The plumber came and, and uh, turned off the water. Well, I'm gathering up all of these wet towels, and I mean, they are soaked, and it's every towel we have, and they are soaked, and I have all of these towels, I have them up against me, and, and I'm drenched now, and I take them back to the, to, the, uh, to the dryer, and I start putting them in the dryer. The plumber's standing there, and he said, are you putting those in the dryer? I mean, how dumb can this plumber be? I want them to get dry. <laughs> And I said, yes. He said, they will never dry that way. I said, well, then what am I supposed to do? He said, you have to put them in the washing machine first, and then you put them in the dryer. I said, I don't know how to run that washing machine. (laughs) And he said, well, I'll do it. Because my mama taught me never to be dependent on a woman. Well, the fact is we are dependent. I mean, I don't know how to run the washing machine. I've never run one in my life. 
We are dependent. As husbands, we are dependent upon our wives. Our wives are dependent upon us. Our children are dependent upon us. See, we are dependent. What I want you to understand when Paul says that we are a family in part, that is speaking of our dependence. We are dependent upon each other. And then he says that the church is like an army. We understand that the army is comprised of individual soldiers, but they function as a unit. My grandson Hank is at the Citadel. He is an individual, but he is learning to function in his unit. So we are dependent upon each other. We are like a family. We're like an army. He said that we are like a sports team. And we understand that a a team works together as a team. Football's about to start. Eddie has already told me that Carolina's going to win by 17 points and... uh, He said he didn't even think that North Carolina would score. He said Clemson's going to win by three points. And so he's got this thing all figured out as to how it's going to work. We understand that that the team is comprised of individuals, but they work as a team. For instance, the quarterback throws the ball, but he doesn't catch it. He has to have a receiver to catch it. He has to have an offensive line to protect him. So they work together. They are dependent upon each other. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is also true within the church. We're dependent on each other. I mean, I, I, I look at some of you and some of you deacons who are seated down here. We're dependent on each other. That's just always true to me, especially in the, in the finance committee because I work in, you know, with the finance committee. and The people on the finance committee know more about outgo than I do. They know, know more about the negotiated loans and all those things. They know more than I do. And so I defer to them. I'm dependent on them. But, Bucky, I know more about income. And they defer to me. But, see, that's the way that that it all works, is that we work together. We are dependent on each other. Not everyone knows everything. Not everyone can do everything. We are dependent on each other. So we are dependent in function, but we are relational in spirit. Now look at verse 13. For by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So we are dependent, but we have a spiritual relationship. Now, what is he talking about when he says about being baptized by the Spirit? What's that all about? One commentator said, this is a dry passage. In other words, it's not speaking about water baptism. Then what is it speaking about? The baptism of the Spirit is the Spirit placing us in the body of Christ. It is being placed in the body of Christ. Now, I I want you to understand the work of the Spirit in your life and in your salvation as a believer. First of all, the Holy Spirit regenerates or brings life to us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the first thing you understand about the Spirit is that the Spirit brings conviction to us. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and then he makes us alive. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We weren't feeling badly. We were dead. And the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He gives us life. And then the Bible says that after we have become regenerated we have become alive in Christ then he indwells us in Romans chapter 8 verse number 9 it says but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to him so the Holy Spirit then regenerates us 
He indwells us. He comes to dwell within us. The Bible says that he fills us, which means that he gives us power. He guides us. He gives us wisdom. He empowers us to live the Christian life. And the scripture says that he baptizes us. That is the means by which we are placed within the body of Christ. When you become a believer, you are placed within the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit places us within the body. Now, that is a one-time experience. When we're baptized by the Spirit, that is a one-time experience. The word baptized that is used there is a verb, which is in the aorist tense, which means something that happened in the past but is not repeated. It is something that happened at conversion when I was converted, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was baptized by the Spirit. It is not repeated. Now see, that is unlike the filling of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit is in the aorist tense, one-time experience, not repeated. When the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Spirit, that is in the present tense, which means continuous action. It is literally translated be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we are baptized in the Spirit once placed in the body. We are filled with the Spirit many times. I was praying this morning, and I do this uh, about every day, I guess, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me. Fill me, empower me, guide me, protect me. Give me your wisdom. So we are baptized, one-time experience, not repeated, We are filled with the Spirit, happens continuously. Now, who is baptized? Who is baptized by the Spirit? Look again at verse number 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. All baptized. So the baptism of the Spirit then is is not just for special super, uh, super saints. The Bible says all of us. If you are a believer, then you've been baptized by the Spirit. You've been placed in the body of Christ. All of us are. What is the evidence What is the evidence of being baptized by the Spirit? Well, there are those who say that it is speaking in tongues. But now you'll notice there in verse number 13, it says, how many of us have been baptized by the Spirit if we are believers? All of us. Now look at verse 30. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? The construction that is used there requires, it demands a negative answer. No. All do not speak with tongues, do they? No. All do not interpret, do they? No. So it demands a negative answer. So the evidence of being baptized by the Spirit is not speaking in tongues. Being baptized by the Spirit means that you have been placed in the body of Christ. So we have to understand our relationship to each other. We are dependent in function. We are relational in spirit. Now, we come to the diversity of the church in verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. We are one body, many parts. There's a diversity there. You know, one of the things, and there are so many, you know, one of the things I love about this church is the diversity of it. Racially, I mean, we got blacks, whites, Burmese, Hispanics, Chinese. If God made them, we got them. I think that's good because I think that's the kingdom of God. We, we are also diverse economically. We don't all have money. Some do, some don't. We're diverse. We're multi-generational. This is your father's church and your grandfather's church and in some cases your great-grandfather's church. And I think that's healthy. I would hate to be in a place where 
the people only had the experiences that I had. And I mean, I, I learned so much from people who are a lot older than I am, like Bucky. I mean, I learned from those old people. And I think that's wonderful. That's one of the things I love about this church is that there is such a wide array of experience and wisdom. So we are different from each other, all originals, no copies. And Paul uses the body again to teach this truth. Now look at verse number 15. He said, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Now, here the foot's complaining. The foot looks up and sees the hand. Man, I wish I were a hand. Hand gets to wear those pretty rings. They got diamonds all over them, those jewels everywhere. Got their fingernails painted. I mean, here I am stuck in a, a sock and shoved in a shoe. I wish I were a hand. See, the foot didn't understand its importance. Now, think of a, if we didn't have a foot, we couldn't walk. We didn't have a foot, we couldn't play soccer. I mean, you couldn't even buy a car because you have to kick the tires. So the foot just didn't understand its importance. Now then, in verse number 16, he says, And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a, a, a part of the body. So the ear's complaining that it's not, that it's not an eye. So, but we couldn't hear without the ear. Now, Paul takes this and he applies it to the spiritual body. He applies it to the church, to us. We have different gifts, but all are important. Different gifts, all are important. We understand the importance of the choir. I mean, you prepare us to worship the Lord. Uh, when you come to church this morning, you're not ready to worship, are you? Hmm? I mean, you've been in a fight on the way down here. You got up this morning, made somebody mad around the house, and you were fighting with them. Whenever, whenever you got about halfway here, you found out one of the kids didn't have their shoes on. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. So we come in, and, and, and the choir blesses our heart. My heart is always blessed by you. And so it prepares us to worship the Lord. Not only that, but it teaches theology through the hymns. So much of the truth of the gospel is there in the hymns. So the, we understand the importance of the choir. We understand the importance of teachers, those who teach us the Word of God. We understand the importance of ushers, those who make sure that, 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 that the service experience is a pleasant thing for us. We understand the importance of, of the nursery. I'm thankful for the nursery in the church every time a baby cries. I'm thankful for the nursery. Do you know that Billy Sunday established the nursery? I thank God for Billy Sunday. We understand the importance of the volunteers, those people who come down here. They have saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars as they have worked here at the church. You see, we are different from each other, but we are dependent on each other. Different, but we are dependent on each other. Now look at verse number 19. And if they were all one member, where would the, where would the body be? The members of our body are different, but they're necessary. You have hands, they have their function. Feet, they have their function. Ears, they have their function. They're different, but they are necessary. Folks, that's also true with the spiritual body of the church. Your gifts differ. The, the gift that you have has been given to you by the Holy Spirit to serve. So we don't have the same gifts. The gifts differ, but they are all important. Whatever the gift that the Holy Spirit chose for you, it is important 
and the Lord plans to use it. So we see the diversity of the church. We're different but dependent. Then we see the harmony of the church, verse number 20. But now there are many members but one body. Now when the parts of the body work together, there is growth and the body is healthy. There are three characteristics of a harmonious church. First of all, harmony comes to the church when we understand that we have everything we need. We have everything we need. Dan, you were singing that. We have everything we need. Now think about your physical body. When you were born, weren't you born complete? I mean, you were little, but you were born complete. You didn't go back to the hospital in six weeks and get your ears. You came with ears. You didn't wait for another six weeks and go back and get your feet. You came with. So when you were born, you were born complete. What you need to understand about the spiritual body is that in the church, every member is necessary and important to complete the body. And we are incomplete if you're not using the spiritual gift that God has given to you. It is my belief, because of my belief about spiritual gifts... That every need that we have within the church, God has someone there with a spiritual gift to meet the need. That's the way I believe that God does it. I believe that every need we have, there's someone there with that spiritual gift to meet the need. So we are complete. And if we understand then that God has made us complete, then that helps us with harmony. Secondly, harmony comes when we understand that each is necessary. In verse number 22, Paul says, On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, there are some parts of the body that are more visible and we spend more time on them. I mean, I look at you and I can see how you spend a lot of time getting your hair fixed this morning, all right? I mean, you combed your hair, you got it all blue, you, know, you blow it or whatever you do to it. I just put, you know, the young people say, I just put a bunch of gel in mine and comb it. But you spend some time on that. You spend some time getting your eyes all fixed up, that little eyeliner thing, putting those pencils in your eye and all that. Yeah, spend a lot of time with that. Putting your lipstick on, painting your lips, all that. Spend a lot of time with that. You look nice too, by the way. I just want to tell you that, you know, you look nice. How many of you thought about your liver this morning? Karen Hall can tell you how important the liver is. See, All the parts are necessary. Some of them are more visible than others, but all of them are necessary. So in verse number 28, he says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Now, there are some parts of the body that are more visible than others. Certainly, if you're the preacher, you're more visible than someone else. If you're in the, uh, in the choir, you're more visible. If you teach a Sunday school class, you're more visible. What about the sound operator? We never know they're there until they mess up, right? They're important, aren't they? That's the point that he is making, that all of you are important to the work of the Lord. All members are necessary. We need to understand that for there to be harmony. Your gift might not be the same as mine, and mine might not be the same as yours, but they are all important for the well-being of the body. And that's what it's about. Third thing, 
There's harmony when we minister to each other. In verse number 25, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now look at the physical body, what happens. They share in suffering in verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Is that not true? When I go to the dentist, my leg joins in the pain. I mean, it just sympathizes right there. Yeah. When one member hurts, the whole body joins in hurting, but shares the honor also. In verse number 26, he continues, If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Someone wrote, When the head wears a crown, the parts make up the king. This is also true with the spiritual body. You see, ladies and gentlemen, as a part of one body, many members, one body, as a part of it, we share in each other's suffering. When one member of our family suffers, we should all feel the pain because we're one body. When one member is honored, we should all celebrate because we're one body. In the harmonious church, we share in ministry. We receive ministry and we give ministry. We have been blessed by the gifts of others and we receive ministry from them. And because we also have been gifted, then we give ministry to others. We are one body. Let me conclude. We all are gifted. If you are a believer, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has given to you at least one spiritual gift with which you serve. So we are all gifted, and we all should function within the scope of our giftedness. However the Lord has gifted you, that's where you function. It is my belief, and I've had people ask me before, whenever we get to heaven, we get rewards and so forth. I mean, how's the, how is the Christian going to be judged? It is my belief, I may be wrong, but it's still my belief. that we're going to be held accountable for the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. That God has given to you a certain spiritual gift. And when you stand before the Lord, you're going to be held accountable for the gift that God has given to you. So let me ask you, are you making the church stronger by exercising your gift? Or are you making it incomplete by not exercising your gift? God has gifted us, and we use our gifts to minister to each other to do the work of the Lord. That's the reason sometimes it's a little strange to me that I hear people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to be a part of the church. Folks, I don't understand that. Because I believe that if you are a Christian, that it is important for you to get in the body Get in a church where you can exercise your spiritual gift to be held accountable for that gift and that the church might be complete. So, if you have never trusted Christ, my prayer today is that you might give your, your heart to Him. But if you are a Christian, you need to use the spiritual gift that God has given to you to make the church complete, to minister to the church. Thus... 
if you're not involved in a local congregation, I hope that the Lord will make you comfortable with us. And today you might say, you know, I'd like to be a part of that family because we'd love to have you as a part of this family. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please. We stand together and I'm going to pray. After we pray, we will extend an invitation. The choir will sing. I'll ask that you come to make your commitment. I'll greet you when you do. Father, we pray your blessings upon this time, that you would draw people unto the Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You come. I'll greet you.